0: I'm Dina Kimball, and you're listening to Stories from the Candida Fund. In the early 1990s, Diana Blank, my mom, began a remarkable and unconventional philanthropic journey. Blessed with wealth she never envisioned having, she set out to try and help build a more just and equitable world. Diana has always been inspired by a combination of people and planet. How do we honor the very best in ourselves, in our communities, and beyond? She invested in transformative leaders and ideas. She experimented, followed her heart, and she took chances. And she did it all in her own unique way. Now, three decades and more than $1 billion of grant making later, my mom has completed that journey. These are some of the stories of what happened along the way.
1: It's a really lovely brick building here in rural, um, rural Morganton. You wouldn't necessarily know this cooperative is here. It's kind of our driving through a neighborhood and then this factory pops up. But this is where we're living and breathing new life into our manufacturing community. My name is Molly Street, and I am the co-executive director, along with my colleague, Sarah Chester, of the Industrial Commons. I'm also the founder of Opportunity Threads, which is a worker-owned cooperative here in Morganton. And that's where we're sitting right now in this wonderful building. Morganton as many southern rural communities. It's a complex place, um, and one is struck really by the beauty of it with a real deep biodiversity from the Appalachian region. And then in terms of work, we've also are still one of the leading regions that's producing textiles and furniture in the United States. And so there's a deep manufacturing heritage that's here as well. So there's this beauty of the land and there's this history of the making.
2: Hi, I'm Diane Ives. I manage the environment program for the Candida Fund, and I work on projects that live at the crossroads of economics, equity, and the environment. Candida is especially interested in an idea called community wealth building. Community wealth building is a strategy to grow businesses that provide local jobs, goods, and services that keep assets in the community. In other words, it's about trying to build local economies in fair ways that benefit workers, families, Everyone, not just business owners. I first heard Molly Hemstreet speak in the summer of 2015. At the time, Molly was the general manager of Opportunity Threads in her hometown of Morganton, North Carolina. They cut and sew textiles like clothes and blankets. Her talk was brilliant, explaining how a small company can have a big reach if it engages with the entire value chain that it's a part of. We often talk about supply chains, But a value chain is a much deeper and more profound way of engaging with business partners, customers, and the planet. I remember thinking, this is a young leader I would like to work more closely with someday. Three years later, in 2018, we reconnected. At that point, Molly and Sarah Chester had built the Industrial Commons, an ecosystem of businesses working collectively in Morganton. Morganton has a rich manufacturing history dating back several generations. But that history has been really challenged with cycles of outsourcing and job loss, leaving many workers stranded. Molly sees this as an opportunity. She's building on the existing infrastructure while creating an economic model that keeps resources and knowledge in the local community. These businesses are building something better. I felt like often You
1: can create deeper systemic change in smaller places and small rural communities where a little change can go a long way. And it can also create uh, models of how change and development can happen for others.
2: Opportunity Threads is the flagship enterprise of the industrial commons, an immigrant-led cut-and-sew factory. There's also the Carolina Textile District, a textile industry cooperative, and now there's Material Return a production facility that takes textile waste and turns it into new products.
3: Believe it or not, all of the consumers that send back in socks actually wash them. It doesn't smell bad over here. It's not dirty sock central. So I'm, I'm really proud of like how well, um, you know, the nation is like started recycling socks and not making it hard on us.
2: These are just a few of the enterprises that make up the industrial commons network. The result is an amazing ecosystem strengthened by how everyone works together sharing resources and knowledge to solve big problems, which is exactly what they did during COVID. This is the story of what happened when a -a once-in-a-century pandemic hit, and why the industrial commons was able to rise to the occasion to provide hope for their community.
3: My name is Bob Carswell, and I'm the Research and Development Director at Material Return. I think it was March, 1st of March, so we were in Boston, probably in that patient zero day one, me and Molly and a few other people, and we were talking to a potential ally, then we came back home and everything just shut down, and we're like, oh gosh, and whenever everything shut down, that means our clients shut down, and then we don't have any clients.
1: And so very quickly, we pulled together right here in this building where we were sitting doctors, designers, and what's so interesting too about our ecosystem is the research and development to try to build out PPE when no one really knew quite what to do yet. We had sewing machines, we had cutting equipment, and so we worked very quickly and it was a really neat collaboration with several of the physicians in our community. So In one area we served as the organizing catalyst to bring people into a space to start thinking about this. Our research and development partners that were some of our founders that helped to found the Carolina Textile District helped us start thinking about permeability and water droplet tests. We were out there on the plant floor with like little beakers and trying to test things and understanding the permeability of things.
3: So my name is uh, Walter Vicente. I am uh, one of the founding members here at Opportunity Trades. I was one of the first that had to sew the samples, making sure that this will fit, if there's any adjustments that needed to be done. And then I remember someone would come in and take it to the doctors. And they were like, okay, this is not, we need this. So they would come back, We need to do this again, until I think finally we were able to, you know, to get exactly what they really needed. It was just so amazing seeing a team, especially community, people that I've never seen before, that they would come in and say, hey, what do you need? And it just made me feel so happy to see people unite, trying to find ways to, you know, to fight this virus.
2: Molly and her team had already put in the time and effort to create this web of people and businesses, her value chain. So it was easy to tug on one of those strings and have help and resources at the ready. So the Carolina Textile District
1: formed the backbone of um, purchasing the raw materials and farming those out to small producers. And so that allowed the manufacturing kind of chain to get started. And then it was really interesting how we helped to retool our own companies here, like Opportunity Threads um, started doing the cutting because we have a cutting machine that was acquired through a grant, started doing all the cutting for all the the plants. So we would cut thousands of gowns and masks and then they would be farmed out and then our cooperative material return, they retooled their truck and their routes became routes for dropping off raw materials and picking up raw materials. And so it kept them working. It kept them, you know, with a purpose and it allowed their cooperative to kind of weather that storm and because they were still being paid to be able to do the run the transfer. So they would just come and pick up masks. They said, we need a mask for children. So within like four or five days, we had a mask made for children, you know, that could fit on their faces
2: Manufacturing PPE, or personal protective equipment, served two purposes. It addressed the needs of local hospitals and doctors who were desperate for supplies. But it also kept local manufacturing companies in business. Remember, at the start of the pandemic, only essential businesses were allowed to stay open. And making masks? That was definitely Um, essential.
1: We laid out masks and gowns and prototypes right here and started working on them. And then we would sew them over here. Um, back here on this big cutting machine this is actually a cutting machine that's owned by one of our other partners our manufacturing um, research and development partners but we did all the cutting on that machine so while they weren't doing a lot of sewing of the masks and gowns we did a lot of cutting on that machine to in order to then get cut pieces out to to the different factories that were part of the pandemic response
3: my background was in like pattern design and things like that and i was like I was in the factory and I would be driving the truck and be like, hey, Bob, help come over here and help make this pattern. I'm like, okay. And we'd measure stuff out and and try it on people and test it out and things like that. And um, that was nice being able to put my other skills that I had already had, you know, and I was like, oh, I know how to do this. (laughs) I'm good at this. It was really nice to see all the North Carolina companies come together that were competitors and work on this issue. And we shipped out like close to a million, I guess, different PPE products like gowns and masks and school system masks and things like that
1: so it was just like whenever problem we encountered um you know we would try and solve it together collectively and at the end of the day it wasn't just about what we made it was more about during that time people felt like they had purpose like it gave people hope um and it's really kind of that combination of the economics of things we can't just live on hope by ourselves but hope can really get us over the hump um if we have the economics and the stability
2: behind that In the early months of the COVID pandemic, unemployment jumped to levels not seen since the 1930s. The majority of job losses happened in low-wage industries, including in manufacturing. Communities like Morganton were incredibly vulnerable, and the recovery will take years. But the industrial commons was able to stay open. They defied the trend that was devouring so many industries in so many towns across America. And that's because their COVID response marched to the heartbeat of their community. They understood the challenges that families who relied on manufacturing jobs would face if businesses shut down. Because these were their families, their neighbors, their friends. Business stayed open, employees were paid, and trusted connections were strengthened. This story is an example of the power of resilient, adaptive, essential collaboration. It proves that even during the most difficult moments, shifting the way we think about business ownership can keep our communities afloat. Right now, the Industrial Commons is working on an innovation campus in downtown Morganton. It'll provide a new home for offices, new businesses, and facilities for worker training and education. It'll be surrounded by public parks and trails. There will even be a site for cooperative housing built nearby, providing an opportunity for workers to live in affordable housing and build wealth at the same time. Right now it's mostly wild land, scattered with the remains of an old factory. But someday, someday soon, young people will be able to ride their bikes by. They'll see this hub of community innovation and they'll say, I'm going to work there one day. So when
1: I look out 5, 10, 50 years, I see a lot more employee-owned companies that from all walks of life and even different levels of employee ownership, we're not really cooperative purists. We want people to do what makes sense for them. But with that spirit of giving workers agency and um, access to the profitability of that company, um, I see more and more cooperative networks. In a relatively short amount of time, we've created something compelling, for our community, we're proving
0: that actually it is good business. Thank you for listening. This project was produced by Maddie Foley, Adesua Agbenayal, and Alessandra Tejeda, with production help from Chelsea Daniel for Wonder Media Network. Editing by Emily Rutter and Liz Smith. Original music by Chelsea Daniel. Our executive producers were David Brotherton and Dina Kimball.